0: Welcome to the Everyone Gets a Trophy podcast. It is another post national signing day one podcast. The last one I gave a brief overview of the class, but that was where my amateur efforts and I decided to bring in the expert. I decided to bring in a ringer. They call it Beast Texas. Some call it Least Texas, but I call it Feast Texas because whenever I have Justin Wells on, we're going to dine well on morsels of genius and wisdom. Justin Wells, how the hell are you, my man?
1: Man, Feast, Texas. It's a, it's a Festivus for all of us. Well, man, of all, Are we going to have the Feats of Strength or are we going to do our gripes? Uh, we're definitely going to do the Feats of Strength. And I am first with the gripes. So our our, our good, good buddy Eric Nolin gets to sit in the corner and, and enjoy that part of, of Festivus for all of us. My man, it's National Signing Day. Yesterday was huge. You still got a couple days left. Texas did big. They went big again. Sark is playing the long game, and he's playing it well. Top five class again, number four ranked right now. Looks like that's going to be the third consecutive class for that. To me, man, I feel like this is becoming the standard in Austin now. It's no more selling the vision. It's no more the promise. It's the rich getting richer. And a guy that coached in the NFL a few years has learned how to churn the bottom of his roster. And now it's about talent acquisition and culture fits. Texas is moving at a different speed today, brother, and we're here to watch and enjoy.
0: Let's dig into that. You talked about this new normal, and I think it's a great way to describe it. Of the top five recruiting class is now an expectation. It's not a, it's not a, a fortuitous crap. You know, a, a coming together of circumstance, right? Right. I mean, into something, or or you grab a high-profile five-star late who actually has some issues, right? <laughs> and you do that to put a little cherry on the class, and everyone gets all excited, and then the people that actually know are like, eh, "That was all. That's all smoke and mirrors." Texas is getting real deal football players, and they've got a real strategy. The other part of this that I think is neglected, you brought up to me offline that I think is really smart. The The fact that so many of these players are early enrollees, this is a feature, not a bug. This is not a coincidence. We are not just falling into that. Early enrolliness is a qualifier for being in these recruiting classes.
1: It is. It's the standard. I believe there were seven in the first one for for Sark. I believe there was nine in the second one. And we're looking at 16 in 2024. Um, To me, it's about identifying talent but it's also identifying the self-starters the self-motivators the hyper focused kids because listen you and I we we can we can relate 17 18 years old we weren't trying to graduate early to get into college even that much quicker we were trying to enjoy ourselves we were trying to party and have a good time sark is identifying prospects that not only want to play college football at a high level but they got to get in early to do it And I I think that's it's it's just a talent identifier. It's looking for specific traits, and one of them is being a motivated kid. I'll give you a perfect example, Jordan Johnson-Rebel. There is not a player in the 2024 cycle more ready for college football and the college lifestyle and time management than Jordan Johnson-Rebel. He left his house three years ago in Fort Worth to go to the IMG Academy for one reason, to get prepared to go to college. He could have stayed at home in Texas and played with his friends and and his family and and been close to his mom, but he was a hyper focused kid and and he's driven and you want that type of mentality in your locker room. They've got that in their locker room now and now it's about stacking those type of kids with traits those 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 hyper motivated kids Jordan Johnson rebel is mentally as prepared as anybody. Similar to Arch Manning last year. Nobody knew that playbook better than Arch when he arrived in January on January 7th. That kid had it known on the back of his hand because he was dedicated. He was self-motivated. Sark only wants guys like that. It's funny because in the past we'd see Stanford only looking at, you know, you look at the tight ends, but Stanford has a has a, a type. You know, you got to, you got to be obviously the academic side, obviously the, you got to be more cultured, but you know, a West coast kind of deal. Notre Dame had a type, it seemed for, for the longest, the prerequisites had kind of have lessened a little bit, but, but, but Notre Dame had a type to me. I think Sark has a type. You can't just be a four or five star level talent. I mean, hell he'll, he'll play around with the three stars, like a Devondre Sweat, turn him into a first round pick, but you also have to be, A self-starter, a hyper-motivated, focused kid. And it makes sense because when you put 16 hyper-focused, motivated kids into one group, let's say you happen to sign one or two bad apples, the majority will usually overcome that. Whereas the opposite happened at Texas A&M two years ago when they signed too many five stars. You had too many alpha males in one locker room, too many egos, too many guys with their own agenda, and it winds up backfiring. Sark can take anybody he wants right now, but he's only going to get guys that he feels like are real culture guys that are going to buy into his system. And his system is getting there early, learning it, and being ready to
0: play day one. I I love the idea of early enrollment as a proxy for your seriousness and readiness for college yeah. football. Because you have to jump through certain hoops to get qualified. You have to be willing and wanting to do it. As you correctly uh, surmised, Justin, I joined you in having senior high school spring fever and getting out of, you know, football's over. So now my football period doesn't exist. I'm getting out of high school at 2.30. Too much time. I may or may not have had a liquid lunch once or twice. Oh, those
1: were Uh, delicious.
0: That's right. Uh, so yeah, these guys are a little more serious and a little more prepared, uh, than Paul Wadlington was, which may have explained my first semester grades at the University of Texas in which my father sat me down. We had a discussion that involved the, the, the words United States Marine Corps. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I could shoot a basketball because <laughs> there's no way I could have done it in the military.
0: That's awesome, man. Hey, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you. I, look, I know these are your, all your children. These are all, all of our children. It's hard to pick your favorite. It's like asking you your your if you have multiple dogs, who's your favorite dog? Although I know I already know yours. It's rubble. But uh, he's lurking around there somewhere. Has he oh, broken hundred pounds right yet? Me. Or is he still soft? He's uh, he's sleeping right beside me. Has, has he yeah. broken hundred pounds yet?
1: Oh no, he's 112. Oh, She's he's won- shot. He's 112. twelve. We, we started a baked chicken diet. Oh. I'm giving him like raw steak, baked chicken, and I'm t- and he's and he's tearing up tires in the backyard. Yes, it, it, it's similar to you know we have got a backstory with him. You know I don't know if you remember the movie Half Baked, but it was when whenever they got killer, <laughs> whenever they got killer, the uh, the Rottweiler, um, and they were looking for his brother Nibbles. So now Rubble has a a brother named Nibbles that we're looking for. Okay. I mean, because we don't want him to dogfight, obviously, but he's like, I can't fight Nibbles. But man, Rubble has a a brother named Nibbles that he's looking for. And my son has taken that story and ran with it. So no, 112, he's cut up. He's a unit. We call him the big sachicha, which means (laughs) Spanish for sausage, because he's just a big pig. And, uh, yeah, we have a favorite and I have a faith. We all have favorites, Paul. We all have favorites in 2024, man, there's, there's a handful of these guys that we just really like. I mean, everyone likes Colin Simmons. How can you not? His personality is as big as the stage that he plays on on a regular basis. Like that's Colin. He's, he's a fun kid. Um, I mentioned Jordan Johnson rebel, super, super good kid. I love Ryan Wingo. Like Ryan Wingo is really a good kid. Like, I mean, too often I think kids get a bad rap because of how the recruiting process plays out and how fans view it from their point of view. And so, yeah. oh, he pushed the time back, or, oh, he took a visit after he committed, or there's so many little things that, that fans kind of use against a kid when they don't really know him, and they don't really know the situation. And let me tell you, Ryan Wingo is a really good person. This is a kid, when I went to see him back last summer, I had to wait two hours in the morning because he was at the Boys and Girls Club. He was volunteering with, with, with kids around the neighborhood. Like, Ryan's a great kid. You want those kind of guys in your program. And just because the kid sleeps till noon and doesn't sign, that's a real one, okay? You find a kid that sleeps till noon, that's a real one. I found that kid. Um, and, and it goes, there, there's so many, I, you know, I, I don't want to you know neglect anybody but I'm partial because of some of the guys I've seen for so long. I've, I've known Kobe black for almost three years Kobe black. You talk about a fun family, you know, everybody stresses about the recruitment. Kobe black's family. Doesn't they're just like, yeah, he'll do it when he does it. We don't care. And the truth is they'd known for six months where he was going. And so it was basically a done deal and they they weren't going to get all bent out of shape about it. Like all the fans were. And so that, that was, he's a fun kid. He's a good kid. Um, Ty Anthony Smith, dude, let me tell you something. That kid could be Beast Texas if he wanted to be. He is the quintessential sideline to sideline cat. I saw him and Justin Williams this year. Those are the two best linebackers I watched. Ty Anthony Smith is the total package 6'2, about 205. He's got an incredible wingspan, gigantic feet. He he he's got the the, the the clay to mold, my man, and he's such a good kid. He signed with Texas last night and drove to Austin to enroll. It's business time. How can nice. you not like that? Out of a region predominantly known for Texas A and M, that was an Aggie flip. I mean, it's one thing to take a kid that's that's good. It's another when you're flipping an Aggie because, buddy, that momentum has shifted, and 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 Mike Elko's hire isn't going to. Prevent Sartre from continuing to do this on a regular basis. Just not it, Not going to happen. Well, so, There's a few of Mike these guys Elko. I really love, and those are a handful.
0: We had our eyes on some guys at Youngstown State, Justin, and Mike Elko screwed that up. So let's not sell him short. He got that transfer from Youngstown State, that linebacker. I, you know,
1: buddy, they're having a hard time in College Station. And I'm just really thankful that they hired Mike Elko. They could have gone in another direction and they didn't. And so therefore they're going to suffer. They got a sweater wear. And for that. I know who you're thinking of. Yeah, they got a sweater wear. And for that, they'll have a good team. They'll have a good program, but they're not going to affect Texas recruiting one ounce.
0: Hey, quick step back. So we may move forward together, Justin. Uh, When when Justin talked about Kobe Black or, or Ty Anthony Smith, just understand if you want a little insight to the inner workings of inside Texas, uh, some of which I'm not privy to, but I'm privy to some, there's a reason those reaction videos, those reaction articles are going up simultaneous to the player committing. Uh, they already know Justin already knows this stuff is already in the bag. And I know we have consternation about it as fans and we're, Oh, maybe Kobe black. Oh, maybe this has happened. But, uh, we already know the haze in the barn. It was just a question of when they wanted to open the barn doors and show everybody. And so pretty much. Uh, those Justin's not cranking out an article or an interview in, in 30 minutes in a one minute time span. He can't, he can't defy time and I'm space. He's not that good. He's not that good folks. He's good. He's not that good. So uh, that is something to consider. Although the Kobe black always punting it forward was pretty hilarious uh, because it just became, this this big uh build up and then always getting lucy pulling away the football but ultimately kobe black was going to be a longhorn since what august
1: yeah he could he committed in august um he actually gave a silent i believe it was in june after his official visit then he reaffirmed it with a late july visit off the records that nobody reported and then so yeah he'd been in the mix colin Simmons. It was a dead giveaway because Colin Simmons called him two minutes after he committed and told him he was next and Kobe jumped in the boat. And so, but it has to play out, you know, Kobe just wanted to make sure he made the right decision. A lot of these kids, what's funny is people think, well, they'll just decommit and go to another school. A lot of these kids hate decommitting. They really do. It looks like it's easy on Twitter, but I'm telling you, they struggle with it behind the scenes. They, they really don't like the idea of having to call a coach. They had already told her come and, and have to tell them they're not coming. The worst part of recruiting for these kids are telling calling a coach they really like and telling them no. Like that's the hardest part of, of doing this job. And so sometimes it, it just has to line up right. Kobe just wanted to make sure he wanted it to do it on his time. He had two older brothers that went through the process that did the exact same thing. I remember asking his dad a, a couple of weeks ago, are, are you happy that it that that it's it's over or almost over? And he's like, Yeah, it, we're good. You know, we've we've gone through this before. We knew what was going to happen. But the mom, the mom's like, she looks at me and she goes, "We could have done this in August." <laughs> so that's that that's kind of each one has their own story, which to me is the most fascinating thing about recruiting. Every individual kid that Texas ever signs has their own unique story, and 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 we get to tell them.
0: That's awesome, man. Uh, hey, I also I want to talk a little. I know you got to be pretty close to Wingo. You were the man on the on the scene. You actually flew up to St. Louis. Drove. Drove. You are. Did you drive commute? Commuted does, there and back to Arlington. Oh, does Tyler um, not have uh, planes or an airport? Yeah, we do.
1: But um, I, I'm like Eddie Rabbit. I love a rainy night, so <laughs> I'm gonna get on the road. And uh, I I like it, man. I like it. I went to Tulsa to see Danny Okoye. Man, I miss that kid. Oklahoma got a dude. And so I drove to St. Louis. We had to be back in Arlington the next day for um, Big 12 Media Days. And so a plane, uh, it would have been too expensive to try to get there and get back on, on quick flights back and forth. So I just said, I-, I got the keys. Let me ride. Nice.
0: Was driving to St. Louis like what Clark Griswold experienced in vacation? When he oh, drove God. To thank God. No,
1: man, I can't have that. It's stressful enough driving 10 hours uh, in one direction uh, to hope a kid is interested in Texas <laughs> enough that he's told me he is. Um, but no, it, yeah, the planes, they, they fly to Tyler pounds airport on a regular basis, but we had to make it work. We had to be versatile. And so that meant I had to drive back to Arlington for big 12 media days, but yeah, I went up to St. Louis. I got to hang out with him. I got to hang out with his coach uh, with his dad. You know, it was really cool because I hung out with Ryan and his coaches for the most part. And then as I was about to leave, his dad found me. He recognized me from these YouTube shows that we have done. And and he introduced himself and we sat there and talked for two hours. I, I couldn't leave him. We said and then he introduced me to three or four other guys. And and now I talk to Ronnie Wingo probably two or three times a week. And so he, he's actually turned into a pretty good friend. And, and that's just part of all the whole process of how all this stuff goes. Sometimes, sometimes you get in your car and you drive 10 hours to build a relationship that lasts the rest of your life.
0: When it's National Signing Day, you're always concerned with the players and the quality of player that you get to sign the line that is dotted. Well, you should have the same feelings on your mortgage guy. And the mortgage guy that you should feel confident signing with is none other than our old pal gabe winslow you can reach him at 832-557-1095 i've extolled the virtues of mr winslow many a time but i'll do it again because i'm shameless in that regard and he deserves every bit of it gabe is a diehard texas longhorn fan he's got a law degree he's a former national merit scholar he's been in the mortgage industry for over 20 years both on the title side and the origination side and he is a mortgage broker what does that mean well a mortgage broker has the ability to access up to 70 different providers for your mortgage rate and for your service most mortgage lenders are tied to one and by the way they never quite tell you that part so without putting too fine a point on of it would you rather bid your services out to 70 different options or one option well i think i'll go with 70 the competition and of course the better rates and the better structuring that that will entail gabe is a maestro he is a wizard at this he is the five star of the mortgage industry and those are exactly the types of reviews we get when we send you got customers to gabe give him a call 832-557-1095 find out what the fuss is you'll be glad you did way to go justin and i'm not still Fully convinced that Tyler has an airport or airplanes.
1: We are the epicenter of medical field in this country. Tyler, it Texas. Is insane, the medical stuff that's going on in Tyler, Texas. It's incredible. Texas has, University of Texas has their hands in all of it. It is wild how big Tyler is and how much they need that airport because of the medical the medical center around this place is unreal. There are people that come from all over the world just just to come to Tyler for for the medical support.
0: Look at that. Look at look at the Chamber of Commerce, Justin Wells, Emeritus Chairman. We They have such a surplus
1: of tax money. It's ridiculous right now. <laughs> they just redid Harvey Hall convention or the, uh, the the convention center here in Tyler. Not Harvey Hall, I was thinking... Con- houston uh they did the convention center here in tyler just because they have a surplus of, of money of tax money it's just sitting there so they're like hey eh, let's just throw it around and, and redo everything they redid earl campbell field to, uh, uh, trinity mother francis stadium where john tyler and tyler lee play um they yeah tyler tyler's a booming place man it's metropolis when it comes to the medical to medical field and the university of texas adding a brand new big branch here isn't only helping out
0: well i was gonna say uh I I don't believe that any tax surplus is is not going to go to football at some point in Tyler in in East Texas.
1: That's East Texas. You said feast
0: Texas. Texas When you started feast Texas, again, we got to yes, East Texas is eating y'all and so Texas Longhorns. There is a a team that's on a little bit of a diet. You know, sometimes you do have to go on a diet. You know, I went to Mexico, Justin. Uh, I don't know if you heard about that. I enjoyed it. I had a good time. I'm tan Romo Witten style. I'm uh I'm like Mac Brown. I'm tanned, rested, and ready. And uh, <laughs> no retirement, did, uh, Mr. Studio. I did, I did take off my shirt and felt a little bit like a sausage casing on day one because I wasn't tan yet. I hadn't been working out and you're uh, vain like me. I had to get there. I, I just have just enough vanity to keep to keep my basic health needs in check. But there is a group that is on a diet and it's not of their own accord. I'm talking about the Texas A&M Aggies, Justin. Yeah what is going on because they're from the outside looking in, you can't understand it from the inside uh, out. Can't explain it. But it seems like there's a dynamic where their interim coach, who is the current defensive coordinator at Syracuse, who will be preparing for a bowl today is actively recruiting Texas A&M players to the portal to Syracuse. Uh, with sort of the affirmation and permission of, of Texas A&M because of the interim title they bestowed upon him, what the hell is going on at Texas A&M with Elijah Robinson? What's going on with recruiting? Why are all their pets' heads falling off?
1: Yeah, um, so Elko had a choice. He could have kept Elijah Robinson. Now, granted, most coaches, you and I know this, don't keep previous staff. They no. clean they completely clean house. If it's a renovation, they tear it down to the studs. That's the majority of coaches. If there was a a staffer overlapping, it's generally because he was forced onto that staff or he's got a contract that the administration told him, you're going to have to keep this guy for at least a year. So Elijah Robinson, that was just a confluence of like really bad timing because he was an interim coach and that team absolutely loved him. And then all of a sudden he's recruiting against you. And then they take the top tackler in the last two years in in College Station and Fidel Diggs. Now he's going up and playing in the Donovan McNabb Dome on Saturdays next fall. Um, What a weird circumstance. It's part of college football, so I'm not surprised. We kind of see bits and pieces of this every December when when the coaching carousel begins and, and things start to move you know, you'd love if if, if uh, I think there's a lot of players in that program that would love for Robinson to stay. I would venture to say that some of those kids wouldn't have portaled if if Elijah Robinson was still there. But you can't blame Elko for that. Elko wants wants a clean slate. I get it. He's he cleaned house and he wants to rebuild it his in his image. Um they're not getting that new coach smell kick yet. And a lot of times this is the transition class. I get it. But I've seen some really good transition classes. I really have. And so this isn't one of them. And so for whatever reason, they're not getting that new that that new coach smell. And granted, 2025 is when you're going to see the betterment of their class. That, that'll that be the the first real foundation for Elko and his bunch. I believe they just hired a DC this morning. Uh, a Jay Bateman, uh, the former D-line coach out of Florida, uh, I believe is going to be the new DC for Elko. And I'm um, looking at these hires and there's, you know, Elko is – if I'm an Aggie, I'm a little worried. None of them are sexy, they're, but, but but they're solid. Elko is a solid coach, Paul. Like he, He's a good coach. He's a yeah, great he defensive guy. Look what he did at Duke. He did a great job with a with, with ms defensive bunch when he was there a few years ago under Jimbo. You know, Elko's a good coach, but a buddy of mine called him a sweater wearer. And that that that's essentially a term for the old school coaches that, you know, they don't really have the young, energetic – high powered type of ways that kind of just go through the motions or kind of get a shake your hand, put your, put their hand behind your neck, give you a little kind of a half-ass hug, you know, kind of things like that. And for a Texas fan, that's the best thing you can imagine. I mean, the only thing better than Jimbo Fisher absolutely crapping on it, crapping the bed there and getting to watch it under a $80 million contract is, is watching AM try to recoup some momentum. Listen, the Aggies had a window, Paul, They had a window. That early 2010s to mid-2010s, when they ran this state and when Kevin Sumlin was was peaking and when you had Johnny Football Mania, they had a window. And they added some serious talent. They brought in some high-end five-star quarterbacks. They brought in some big-time special uh, skill guys, Christian Christian, uh, Kirk-type guys. They brought in massive defensive linemen that we have learned. A&M had a window, and they didn't use it. And I don't know when they're going to get it back. And I can promise you right now, they're at their administration and college station right now that are wondering that same thing. They love the Elko hire. I think it's going to go well. I think he is a solid coach. There's a Mike Sherman feel to it. It's not sexy. Mike Sherman coached those dudes up. He may They may not have won a lot, but those offensive linemen were always ready. They were always prepared. I feel like Elko's defense is going to be like that. It may not be the, the hottest girl in the bar, but, but they're going to be solid and they're going to play well. Right now, we're just we're seeing they're still going around the drain. It feels like I, I don't know if they've got their footing yet. And yesterday, they landed, you know, Solomon Williams and, and Hezekiah Williams out of Curlwood Day in Tampa. One of them was flipped from Florida wide receiver. The other was a, an edge kid that that Alabama and Texas have been on. They they, they they knocked out a few guys, but man, they lost some other ones. And with Evan Stewart going to the portal, I can just tell you this: Texas is not going to be involved in that in that whatsoever. But I, I feel like Evan Stewart is a marketing guru. The kid has over a million followers on TikTok, across Instagram, Snapchat, uh, 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 Facebook, uh, Twitter. And so he knows what he's doing. I think he stays in College Station. I think this is a negotiating point. I think he's just <laughs> renegotiating his contract, to be honest with you. And I think going to the portal was the leverage that these kids actually have. And that's what's happening in AM. There's not... I guess for lack of better term, there's no Tom Herman alignment yet. And as long as they're not aligned and Texas continues to stack,
0: that gap is only widening. Hey, two quick things. Uh, Jay Bateman, you, you mentioned that. He is the hire for them to DC. He was actually a linebackers coach at Florida. Okay. And he has been a DC before. That North was Carolina. At S- Sienna, Elon, Ball State, Wait a minute, on, Elon University in North Carolina. Yeah. And I then he did grow up from there. There you go. Uh, and then there was, he was the co DC at North Carolina for three years. So that's his background. I, I think from that resume, his job is to do the will and bidding of Mike Elko, who's going to yes. still be the de facto defensive coordinator. Yeah. Other thing, you mentioned the portal is leverage. Something I wrote early in this process. I said the Aggies are going to enter the portal as a negotiating ploy for retention. Most yep. of these guys are not serious about trying to leave, but Definitely. they understand they have this staff over a barrel. And they there's a lot of desperation at AM to still keep the vestiges of this class. Uh, I'm not sure why, because I think for some of these guys, they need probably a, a cleansing. Uh yeah. but, uh they then they figure stand, that out. They understand they got some guys over a barrel. Evan Evan Stewart. Maybe a different situation because I think he had some ouchies down the stretch that were not injuries, and he played it as if they were injuries. And so he preserved himself. And I think that might have rubbed some people the wrong way in college station. That said, the skill set, undeniable. And the truth is, let's just talk facts here, Justin. It's you and me. Your uh dipshit tolerance at wide receiver is higher than your dipshit tolerance for an offensive lineman.
1: They're two completely different people.
0: With they're different. Human beings.
1: Their brains. The only similarity in their brain mass is that they're human.
0: Can I, can it's I bounce an example off you and you tell me if I'm right. Okay. The number, well, back at the Tom Herman day, when we carried 17 wide receivers, your, your number 17 wide receiver believes deep in his heart, even though he's fourth string, that if the coaches had just put him in, he would have balled out and had 12 catches for 193 yards and two touchdowns. Your number 16 offensive lineman is happy to be dressed out on the sideline yeah. and is thinking about what he's going to eat after the game.
1: It, it, that's a perfect metaphor right there. I mean, that that that's perfect because that's, I mean, but that's the difference. You know, the smartest guys on the team are your offensive linemen. The smartest so. guy in the program is probably your center. I mean, that, O line have self awareness. Oh, they they they, they, ha, they ha, and they have a um, pack mentality as well. They 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 like hanging out with their own. They'll bring in other positions. They'll bring in other animals, but the the, the group, the core, are going to be offensive linemen at their whole. Also,
0: O line are self deprecating. So what O line joke about and make fun of each other about is who's the fattest, who's the slowest, yeah, uh, who forgot the snap count. And they're constantly mocking each other, self-deprecating. Wide receivers, Uh, if that goes too far, you might have some hands thrown. Because these guys have big It's
1: too volatile at receiver. The personalities, I mean, there's not a bigger diva on the football field than wide receiver. I learned that through the whole Terrell Owens ESPN era, when that was shoved down our throat through the mid-2000s. Could yep. a receiver really tear a team apart like that? Could he really go that far? Yes. Yes, he could. <laughs> yes. And yes. what's funny with those receivers is that they're lucky. Because if they couldn't catch the ball, they'd be on the other side of the field. Yeah. What they don't realize is that they may be better off on the other side of the field. Because there's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of wide receivers in the portal, not a lot of cornerbacks. Yep. Sure. It's the same way in recruiting. I can find a hundred receivers in a cycle. I might find four corners. And so they don't even, they don't think in that regard. Dwayne Aquina had it nailed. He had the sales pitch. It was was to Curtis Brown in Gilmer High School before he committed to Texas. He said, look, son, I know you want to play receiver, but do you want to be a good college wide receiver or do you want to be a good NFL corner? Yep. Curtis Brown thought for about two seconds. Yeah, we'll go the corner route. And it was simple as that, and so receivers are a little bit divish, and Evan Stewart is is kind of a diva. I mean, listen, the kid is an incredible talent. You, it, it just natural ability in and out. He's been coached well. Margin Hooks did a great job, and he's got some dance moves. If you see his stuff on TikTok, I mean, that is uh, that's the trend with these kids. I don't see o linemen starting TikToks, and I think I would be okay with it if I did. I think it'd be a cool direction to go. I don't see bussing with the boys going the TikTok direction. But receivers, they like the stage. They like the platform. And they like to dance, especially when they catch a ball on first down. And so it's just the difference in mentalities. It's just the difference in in, in their mindsets. The O-linemen, they're lucky to be with those guys. They're happy. And they're definitely thinking of that post-game meal. While uh, the receivers probably can't get to their phone fast enough as soon as the, the buzzer goes off
0: some of them do it at halftime
1: man, man. hey uh i'll
0: never forget that it's awesome hey i, I uh
1: i, I wrote a big later.
0: picture wrote a big picture article on inside texas sort of the ten thousand foot view of signing day and just had a bunch of different snippets and observations absolutely one, one of those was this high school recruiting is for big men Are you worried that recent events have derailed your retirement plans? It certainly made us reassess all aspects of ours. And that's why we're proud to offer our listeners a chance to work with David McClellan, a fiduciary financial advisor from Forum Financial. David's practice specializes in financial life coaching and retirement planning. And right now, he's offering free consultations for our listeners if you mention the podcast. As part of this consultation, David can help you understand your financial freedom number and what that means to you in assessing your future financial plans. If you want to build wealth, if you want to make optimal decisions within your financial life, David is someone you need to talk to. You can reach him at 312-933-8823. Once again, That's David McClellan at 312-933-8823. He's located in Austin, Texas, but he's got a nationwide clientele. Do yourself a favor and get some great financial advice for free and see if you might want to work with Mr. McClellan. I think you'll be happy with your phone call. And it has to do with the realities of the portal. Raise your hand if you're not a portal quarterback who was amongst the top 20 quarterbacks in college football this year. Right. Yeah. I mean, there ain't any of them. You can always no. go a quarterback. You can always go buy a quarterback and you can let another staff eat the developmental pain and bruises like Auburn did with Bo Nix, right? You can yeah. do the same with Indiana and Pennix and he bring the to Washington and you bring them in a good ecosystem. Quinn Ewers, we can go on and on.
1: Uh, half the half the quarterbacks in Division One this year were from transfers.
0: The freaking yeah. Heisman winner. And by the way, what did Arizona State would say when Daniels left? Good riddance. Well, yeah, not clean his locker out. Yeah, sure. So, wide receivers, quarterbacks, even running backs are available in the portal. You know, it's always scarce. Really high level offensive line, really high level D line, and the few that are available, it's a freaking bidding war, Justin. Yes. So it's that- eBay. And there's no limits. <laughs> you got a Russian oligarch going against the Sally Cooks. There's okay? no buy it now. <clears throat> That's right. There's no buy it now. It's an open-ended bid. And, and we're taking this thing to the moon. So that is a simplification, but I'm making that oversimplification for a reason, which is to stress to people, you have got to have a developmental plan for your big men. And it has to start at the high school level because you're not going to go acquire these guys in the portal the offensive linemen that are available in the portal, they're the all Mac guy from Akron, who the started Ivy League games. guy from Penn. Yeah. And you know what? He's a smart guy and he's cohesive. And if you run the right offense, you can still get your offense off. But when you run into Georgia, when you run into Texas, when you run into Alabama, you're going to find out that there's a reason that guy was playing at Akron. Right. Is that fair? That's a good point. Absolutely. So I think the thing that encourages me the most about Sark and Sark, there's a perception of Sark. That's odd. Uh, I think he's a genuine guy. You see what you get, but people think he's this laid back. California pass happy. Uh, Sark wants to win in the trenches. Sark likes defense. Sark likes to run the ball, right? Uh, He doesn't mind. He he likes to do all those things then. So he can dial up his passing game and, and, and show all of his tricks and toys but he loves and values the big men and we've learned the reason we're in the final four is because our offensive line became an elite pass blocking unit over the course of the year and we've got andre sweat we've got byron murphy we've got Sorel burke stepped up we've got guys coming off the bench like broughton and alfred collins who would be starting at 96% of other universities in this country so I think Sark has a plan for the big men, and that's been evident in every one of these recruiting classes, including this one. Even though these guys, I don't think, were as heralded, maybe, or as ballyhooed as some of the prior uh, big men classes. Any any commentary on my little observation? No, 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 I,
1: I do. I think, it's, I think it's right, because, hey, look, Sark knows complementary football wins games. When he was at USC, he saw an unbelievable offense and, and just a ton of talent on the defensive side. That, that and a lot of talent, especially that 0-4 group. A lot of talent. But he learned he hung out with Lane Kiffin, and Kiffin was all about throwing the pill. And Sark's so like, yep. man, you gotta be a little more complimentary on the other side. You you gotta have that thousand-yard rusher a lot of times to, to to open up the passing game to get vertical for you to be able to do those certain things. Sark's just become aware of that. Then he goes to the NFL and he learns about roster management. He learns about churning the bottom of it, no matter what, bringing in guys, no matter what. He got, you have to play complimentary football. We saw it the first year where they would open it up and and they would score quickly. They lost the Texas OU game because they scored probably too much too soon. I mean, that's essentially, it wasn't complimentary ball. And that bunch on the other side, wasn't ready for a free for all second half from Oklahoma like they got. And so I, I think Sark just learned along the way, I can I can I can be this Mouse Davis Hal Mummy, Mike Leach type offense where I just throw the ball around the field and get vertical and have a great time because he's a quarterback. When your head coach is a former quarterback, they're wanting to go. All of them want to go vertical. It's just it's the way it works. It's just how they're wired. Uh, but Sark learns you got to be complimentary to win. You can you can compete with big time offenses, but you got to be complimentary to win. So that's why he's put so much focus. This kid's had, this guy's had a thousand yard back every year. This guy's had uh, an unbelievable defensive front. And in the portal, you got to You know, you said it. It's a bidding war for those those guys for an offensive tackle, or an edge, or a, a defensive tackle that, that that's high up. Oh man, the prices the prices skyrocket because you can score without those guys, but you can't win without them. Mm-hmm. You got to get it in the trenches. And sorry. I love how they have told recruits and, and, and kids over the last really two cycles. Look, we're going to the sec. We have to get bigger. We have to get bigger. We like large humans. We like really large humans because in the sec, that's kind of how you're going to be judged week to week. You got to have depth and you got to be able to rotate those guys. You know, to sweat and Byron Murphy, didn't have many games this season where they took over 40 snaps. They didn't have many games like that this year, Paul. They really didn't. I do all the grades at Sunday morning, the game after, and, and I see all the snap counts and allocation. And, and sometimes I'm amazed when I see Devondre Sweat, 23 snaps. Yep. Byron Murphy, 26 snaps. I'm thinking, man, that rotational depth. No wonder Bo Davis is having such a good time. No wonder they're having such a good year. Those guys aren't getting, getting tired. People don't realize – 90% of the time when an offensive lineman or defensive lineman are down on the field for an injury, it's not an injury. They're tired.
0: That's <laughs> yeah. their
1: time. That's their one moment to get rest. So you got to treat them a little different. You got to coddle them. He'll develop. Sark's going to continue to develop offensive linemen. Kyle Flood loves them. Bo Davis is going to continue to develop those defensive guys. And trust me, they added Brandon Brown a couple days ago out of Melbourne, Florida for the 2025 cycle. Go watch his tape. That is Malcolm Brown with an attitude. That dude is violent. He is violent, Paul. And I like violence on the football field. And that's what Sark is trying to gather. Look, they'll always cherry pick. They need to replace a a, a lineman at one point for an injury or any reason. They'll focus on that. Same thing on the defensive side. I think they still take another defensive lineman in the 2024 class. I think they could still take another portal guy from the defensive line, a la like a true Carter last year. Just to make sure you've got the depth. You're about to lose some guys to the league now, and you got to refresh, you got to reload. And so Sark, I think, puts that emphasis because of all the paths he's made to get to Texas and saw he's watched how Pete Carroll operated. He watched how how Nick Saban did it at Alabama and how he operated with those guys. How great were those four wide receivers in 20, you know, 2020 for 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 Alabama, Devonte Smith, Henry Ruggs, John Mechie, uh, Jerry Judy? How good were those? And they had thousand yard rushers. Because you got to have one with the other. And Sark is smart enough to know. Look, if Texas hires smart 10, 15 years ago, do we get the same wisdom? I don't think so. I think Sark had to travel that road less traveled to get the the knowledge, to be able to to create the program that he's created in Texas. It's not just vertical. They're always going to throw the ball. You and I know that. They're always going to have a big, sexy quarterback. You and I know that. But at the end of the day, he's going to have a thousand yard rusher and he's going to have a rotation on the defensive line that makes sure those guys don't get tired. And that is one reason I think this program's trajectory is so strong, is that defensive front will be the reason if Texas wins or loses the national championship.
0: I agree. And hey, a little bit uh, to reinforce Justin's point about building yourself out for the SEC. And frankly, this is a cold splash of water in the face of longhorn fans what i'm about to share with you about the realities of the sec and, and the minimum required talent that you have to have particularly at key spots and that's this justin you should uh, show, you should show them the south the south carolina recruiting class that's it the south carolina recruiting class good setup my man south recruit, south carolina recruiting class ranked 20th in the country a that's top awesome class my brother beamer a, beamer baseball. ball this was, by the way, a five and seven football team. This yeah. was a three and five SEC team. They are yeah. 26 and 34 over the last five years, Justin. <laughs> there is no pulse. There is no trajectory for the South Carolina Gamecocks. They have a top 20 class. You know where that top 20 class ranks in the SEC? Number 10. 11.
1: God.
0: <laughs> a top 20 national class is How a. Do- How
1: depressing is that when you go to work and you have slammed a great class
0: and you look around and you're still last? So they're number 11. They're well in the bottom half of the SEC despite having a top 20 national class. By the way, not one of these little volume trick classes where you have 28 three stars. They got two five stars, my brother. Oh yeah, they did. They, They only have 16 recruits. Nine of the 16 are a four or a five-star. This, no, this ain't no That's impressive. That's damn impressive. These are dudes, all right? Yeah. But they're 20th in the country, and that's 11th in the SEC. You know the 11th team in the Big 12? Cincinnati. <laughs> that would have no and fun. they're ranked 57th in the country. All of their players are three-stars. And there's 28 of them. That
1: cold water's
0: about to hit. Cold water, folks. So that's the reality of the SEC. Now, you could say South Carolina is still a losing football team. Agreed. They're a talented losing football team. Yeah. SEC teams lose for different reasons than Big 12 teams lose. Okay? Yes. Well it, said. It doesn't come together for them for whatever reason quarterback, O-line, and by the way, that was South Carolina's great deficiency. They actually had a quarterback. Spencer Rattler, I know this is hard for Texas fans to know, he turned it around at South Carolina, played good ball. He, he, he can, can throw, throw the no ball, ball and he's
1: going to throw it on Sundays. Spencer Rattler can Sundays. throw the ball. Between but he years, had no offensive line. Eh, but that kid has an unbelievably talented
0: arm. He does, and but he had no offensive line at South yeah. Carolina, Columbia, and he got worked over, and the it's game like got worked over. So, Anyway, something to file away there. And then I I got a little bit into talking about Auburn. Uh, Justin, this team went six and six. They got their asses handed them at home by New Mexico State and Diego Pavia. They lost a gut punch to their bitter rival. They went three and four at home. Okay. They had a sub 500 record at home in Jordan Hare, which is one of the most unheralded home field advantages in college. That's a good place. They played a pathetic style of football. They weren't even enjoyable to watch. Okay. No identity. Their signature win was over a six and seven Cal by four points. Justin. Have you I got you down by enough? Texas Tech in Shreveport last week. That's right. Have I beaten you down enough on what the Auburn fan experience has been this year? It, and guess it what? Feels I like you, almost, it, it almost sounds like Hugh Freeze in a hospital bed. Uh, that's right. but He could—he should relocate to Tyler. And get get out of there quicker with the medical industri- industrial complex. But <laughs> here's my point about Auburn. No sign of life, my man. This is a 500 football team over the last five years. They've just been getting their ass handed to them. And you know what they did? They tripled up on their NIL and they have the number seven class in the country. By the way, went head to head to us on us on a couple of guys and beat our ass. DeAndre yeah, Carter. Lindsay,
1: G- DJ Lindsay, too. Texas kind of let that one happen, but they right, wanted I'll DeAndre, that. Carter. DeAndre Carter. They wanted DeAndre
0: Carter. And by the way, DeAndre Carter lives in freaking California.
1: Yeah. And he was the only O-line that we going to sign up until about four or five days ago.
0: So my point is we have to adjust to understanding the level of maniac that we're going up against. Auburn wants to win more than Texas fans can fathom. And Texas fans would be dispirited and, and falling apart after four or five years of what Auburn's been experiencing. Auburn is just redoubling their efforts saying, don't care. Let's go buy talent. Do you think there's some A&M to that? Oh, hell yeah. Except they've actually won.
1: You know, Auburn, they won a national championship in 2010, so they've, they've had some recent success. They played in the national championship, I believe, in 2012 when yes. they lost to uh, Florida State uh, and, and Jameis Winston. They, they have There's some Aggie to that. Shaden, not Shaden, there's some there's some Aggie to that uh being in state and going against Alabama in everything you ever do except Auburn's had some success before Cam Newton came through I think Tuberville had an undefeated team in 2004 maybe 2005 and then before that you got to go back to, to to Bo Jackson before the, you, you can really look at Auburn having any success yet the number seven overall class. You, they're cooking with a different kind of grease man in the sec and you nailed it it's a different story every week you get beat different reasons on a weekly basis and good lord i love that and i love that south carolina you know they were really in on parker livingstone If parker didn't pick texas he was probably gonna go to lsu or, or south carolina they recruited pretty well this cycle and they still only had the 11th best cl- 11th best class then auburn I'm always smile with Auburn because I think of Dr. Bo. Anybody's gone to college that long is a doctor. And I think of I think of our boy, Joe Cook, who loves yeah. loves making fun of Hugh Freeze. Any chance he can tweet a picture of Hugh Freeze from the hospital bed, he's gonna do it. And so I always feel like with Freeze, there's an opportunity for a story. Something funny is gonna happen, something odd unique is going to happen and auburn is right smack they're relevant they're relevant now even with alabama playing in the playoff auburn is a top 10 recruiting team which makes them relevant at what six and six after luke can you imagine if sark would have lost to new mexico state got hammered they did now listen texas lost to kansas but it was close New Mexico State blew out Auburn at home. Can you imagine? It would be similar to uh Nick Saban getting blown out by Louisiana Monroe in Tuscaloosa. That happened. People don't remember those things for some reason. I guess they block them out as fans. I'm just trying to think what would have happened if Sark would have lost to Rice 35 to seven. You oh. know, what kind of backlash? What kind of just chaos you and i would have seen on the inside texas board it's uh it's a whole different world and you said it it's another level of mania
0: well hey we we talked about self-awareness and hugh freeze is a guy who might be lacking in a little bit of self-awareness i don't know if you saw his uh signing day press conference but he was complaining about other schools coming in at the last second. And tampering and offering bags to his recruits, which How can you say that when you're doing the same damn thing? Well, it's i, I am blown away up. by these
1: politicians slash college football coaches that think I believe Eli Drinkwitz did it for Missouri too. He said the yeah. same thing. He's like, man, we had a bunch of guys come in. And I thought, what did you just do? Where do you think half your classes come from? <laughs> you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't row your boat both ways that way. It's gotta go one way or the other, man.
0: Well, in in their hearts, fans like to think that they're the good guys. And so that plays to the fans, that their coach is the good guy and everyone else is out there tampering and dropping bags and making promises. And uh, Hugh Freeze, is he is the instigator of that stuff, right? Well, uh, Hugh Freeze is
1: love it. Lane Kiffin. Let me tell you something. I love watching Lane Kiffin. I love watching him because he don't care. No, He's that I don't give up. A- attitude man and i think that's what i like about the sec there's so many personalities if you go program to program just look at the personalities of the coaches you almost have to hire a guy that has a unique personality when you're at a school that's not alabama or not georgia because you have to do something to bring attention when all the attentions is going to everyone there's just so much it really does mean more in the sec if you ask these kids
0: so I agree my man I agree hey Justin is there anything that we need to touch on before we part ways to do this again in a few months a few weeks a few days um just
1: just really glad to hang out with you just really glad we got to catch up and do this we don't get to do it very often but when we do we make sure we do it big we do it right uh just thankful for you, buddy. I'm I'm blessed that we we work in a, in a great great place and we get to do fun things and we're getting to watch. We've done this for over ten years and now we're getting to watch Texas have some success with it. So I'm just I'm, I woke up with a, an immense sense of gratitude this morning that we get to do what we get to do. We get to cover a fun team. We get to cover a fun group of kids. Good, good group of parents. Good, a good administration. I think they've got a lot of things going well. To me, I'm just thankful for that because we've been on the other side for a long time. And Joe and I were talking about this last night. This makes our job easier. It really yes. does. You, you got to stay on your toes. You got to, you got to keep up with a lot more stuff. But, but it's, it's a good vibe there. Texas is in the cherry picking mode. And for guys like you and I that do this for a living, it, uh, it makes our job easier when, when they've identified three or four guys and we can focus on those three or four guys. We're going to have a Merry Christmas in the next few days. My son is healthy. And so, like I said, man, I, I'm just thankful for you. I'm thankful for the process. I'm thankful for where we're at, where we've grown. And at the end of the day, um, you got you, it, it's all about Tyler, Texas, and the epicenter, and, and, and <laughs> East Texas, and, and going, going to Mexico when you lose two guys in one week. And it's chaos, but I think we're in the chaos business, and business is good.
0: Business is good. And that business is being done at a place called Inside Texas. That's where you can find the king of East Texas, the great Justin Wells. That's where also you'll find my humble contributions along with my friends and colleagues at Inside Texas. Hey, if you're a listener to the podcast and you're not a member of Inside Texas, you're missing out. Truly. Uh, This is the epicenter of the ecosystem of Longhorn football, Longhorn sports. It's where you need to be. And uh, there's great things happening there, great content, great people. And uh, it's a fun time to be alive, fun time to be a Texas Longhorn. And like Justin, my heart is filled with gratitude. Before we leave, I want a quick preview of a couple of names that we should think about in the next few hours or in the coming days for NSD2.
1: Okay. Um, wise, Trey Moore. That's really the guy fans need to know about. The edge out of UTSA, 105 tackles in two years, 35 and a half tackles for loss, 22 sacks. Uh, talked to a couple coaches at UTSA a few days ago. They said Trey Moore is a better person than he is a football player. Kid had no stars coming out of Smithson Valley and Spring Branch. Went into being be an on three transfer portal four star. Uh, give Tref- Jeff Traylor and those guys a ton of credit for developing him. He's going to trade up. Uh, I think Texas is going to be the choice. I think you could see a decision over the next few days. Alabama's been in it. Ohio State's been in it. But I think it's being closer to home is really going to hit for Texas. I love that the Horns used Anthony Hill in that recruitment. I think that shows a ton when you put a freshman uh, on a kid that's two years older than him to recruit him. A um, couple of uh, National Signing Day guys. Dominic McKinley, big-time defensive tackle out of uh, Acadiana, Louisiana. That guy is, is massive. Um, he's got a lot of upside. He's got a lot of upside. He's an A&M committed. Texas is in the mix. He's probably going to be a February guy. He's probably going to visit LSU. LSU is about to make a big push for him, by the way, the in-state kid, just be prepared for that Tennessee as well. But I think Texas feels like if they push in the right direction, they can, they could close that. It remains to be seen. Uh, Dalen Evans, another Texas a commit big jumbo athlete, six, Three and a half, six four, about 260, 270 out of Pine Tree, uh, a little uh, a little school in Longview, Texas. Um, that one's kind of come out of nowhere. Not so much out of nowhere because Texas maintained the relationship. Blake Gideon's the East Texas guy, and so he's he's maintained a relationship with Evans, who, like I said, he's a he's a big, great looking athlete. Um, it feels like Texas is trying to kind of like cherry pick at the very end to, to throw in a few guys if you can. If you can add a jumbo athlete, a four star, you kind of do that, and you just let it all situate out. And then, hey, Aaron Butler, Calabasas, California. He's a he's an athlete receiver. Texas lacks him at receiver. That could be your Aaron Hampton replacement if they push. Arizona and Washington are in a great spot, but but now Butler's pushed his decision a couple of days back. We may not see something till today or tomorrow. Keep that guy in mind. I think Texas would like to add another receiver, but they don't feel like they have to. They also could add another one in the portal as well. We'll probably know that more uh, when we go in, into spring ball. And then um, Alex Foster is the one I want Texas fans to remember, because if you don't get any of those other ones, don't get discouraged. Alex Foster is the one you want to flip. He's out of St. Joseph school down in Greenville, Mississippi. He is a Tavandre Sweat starter kick. I think our boy Ian Boyd is correct in that. If Andre was 245, 250 pounds when he was a senior, if you can imagine that. And, and I think that he has a similar body. Foster plays with, with violence. He's very strong, tenacious, high motor. He's one of those kids, you know, from the mud that, that just plays hard and wants to get out and do well. And so Texas, I think convinced him to, to wait until February so they can do an in-home visit in January. Sark wants to get to know his family a little bit better. They want to, to see him a little more in home. And so, there's just a handful of names to, to keep on the back of your mind as we close up this first signing National Signing Day 1 period and as we venture into the six-week window before we hit National Signing Day 2. Uh, once this window gets wrapped up, we're going to go full bore focus on, on Sugar Bowl, man. We're going to go gnarling style. Texas-Washington, I think the matchup is fantastic. I think it's going to be a fun game to watch, even if you're not a fan. I, I really do think it's going to be cool. But to wrap up National Signing Day, that's kind of where we're at. There's a handful of kids still in the mix. Those are some of your names to know. And then before you know it, you're gonna blink and we are going to be full bore into 2025 cycle. Uh Brandon Brown, I've got a commit story going up at Inside Texas. That that kid I think was an absolute steal. and Moore, he's gonna be on campus in January for junior day. That's the number one receiver in the country. He's also committed to LSU. I don't think he goes to LSU. There's so much, Paul. I mean, there's so much stuff that we that we're looking at and covering. I, I I just can't wait to dig in and, and get ready
0: for another cycle. Justin, you always deliver. The feast arrived just on time, and you guys are the beneficiary for Justin Wells. I'm Paul Wadlington saying, "Welcome, y'all." Do you need a realtor in Central Texas? Of course you do. We all need a realtor in Central Texas. Even those of us who live in Dallas or Houston or San Francisco or Denver, Colorado, you need to go to Central Texas anyway. And the reason is Laura Baker is a fantastic realtor. She's great at what she does. She's a member of the elite Andy Allen team for Keller Williams. You can reach her at 512-784-0505. Talk with Laura. If you're thinking about putting your house on the market, this is a great time to get market comps. Uh, If you're looking to buy in the market, you need all the help you can get. Call Laura and it's 512-784-0505.